Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you are blessed, give me an amen. Amen. You know, I don't have any doubt in my mind that some people needed, not some people, not all of us, but particularly somebody needed to hear that. Do you get my point? Yes, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Like what man said, grace does not mean we don't obey the things that the Lord yes, commanded. In fact, as she was speaking, I realized where I was supposed to take off from today, so I quickly wrote that down, and that gave me the flow that I'm going to have today. Thank you very much, ma. We'll collect, you know, what was, what we did not finish last time. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. You know, I told you that, I hope you made your call, because I wasn't joking. Because I was not going to time on me, and I said after that, and I will preach my own message complete. Because the days are evil. Yes. Yes. Yes, so. That is. In fact, it doesn't even matter whether you took it to or did not. My message today, it will complete. You know, this Southern Christianity, when you, you know, it's in Sokoto and Joss, I saw people go to church. One went to Joss, Pastor Chin Talks Church. So I can't remember, 8 o'clock till 5. It's one service, so. It's not two services. And they, they had to use that one service because there's coffee by six. Oh, the closure was because there was coffee by six. So they had to close by five so people could get home before six o'clock. Then in Sokoto, Dr. Fagum will do a program where they have three services a day and they'll do it for 30 days. Did you hear what I said? They start by, is this six in the morning? First service, first one is uh, anyway. They do two in the morning, finish by eleven. Everybody go to work and come back in the evening. And I'll do it for thirty days. And I'll do that for thirty days. So I said to myself, "I'm going to be a Christian." All right, the Lord is good. We're just going to continue in that spirit again. Let's get back to Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. Now, I'm not going to spend much time there, so just get ready to quickly go back to Exodus chapter 20. I just want to bring out from Deuteronomy chapter 32 the reason why we have the topic that we have chosen. Now, I won't read too much there, so as to save time. I'll start from verse, um, from verse 3, but I'll jump and then quickly get to the verse that I want. He said, For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Moses was speaking. This is the song of Moses. He said, For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. Describe him as the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. He said, righteous and upright is he. They began to describe how God did, um, um, related with Israel or Jacob. He said, for the Lord, verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Let me start from verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, he says, is the allotment of his inheritance. He said in verse 11, like, a, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. 
He said, he made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. And he made him suck honey from the rock, and oil from the flinty rock, curds of cows and milk of the flock, with fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the finest of the wheat, and of the blood of grapes you drank wine. We're going to start reading here. Notice what he said in verse 12. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. And we are looking at a way with foreign gods. No more foreign gods, we are saying. And last time I explained something. Now let's quickly get back to Deuteronomy chapter, sorry, Exodus chapter 20. Quickly, let's get back there. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now here are the commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, that is thousands of generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. We now said this is the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now, please notice that we said it before, that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God for a vain thing, is what the literal Hebrew says. And we found out from reading the Young's literal translation of the scriptures. And I've explained what that means. What that means is that a vain thing is an idol. A vain thing is a blessing that God gave you before. Do you get my point? That is, God gave Israel a serpent to put on a pole. After that, even while that thing was there, it was a vain thing. One of the things is that that thing in itself is vain. It's just a sign for a moment. So after that, you couldn't use that anymore. So if you kept on looking at that serpent, that particular one, as a way of getting healing later on, it wouldn't work. It had become a vain thing. An idol is a vain thing. I said something last time. Everything God ever blessed you with in this life retains one name. Vanity. So God gave you a car. The name is still there. Vanity Benz. Toyota Vanity. Do you get my point? Honda Vanity Accord. Do you get my point? That's just the way it is. I don't care how beautiful the car is. Okay? Rolls Royce Vanity. Vanity Bentley. Okay? And you have this massive building. Nine rooms. All of them in suit. With seven quarters on the other side and there. And a land of about 2,000 square meters. It is called Vanity Quarters. I hope you're getting my point. It's vanity palace. Anything, material things, even if God gave them to you by himself, is still vanity. This will surprise you. The temple they built was still vanity. If that temple was vanity, how much more the cathedral you're building today? That big church you have built that can see thousands and thousands and thousands of us is what? Vanity. Everything is vanity. So he said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God and place it on what? Vanity. That's the third commandment. Don't forget that. So, if God gives you a job, the job has not earned the name provider. That's God's name. If you have a business, it has not earned the name provider. That is God's name. If God gives you wisdom, it has not earned the name 
the God of tomorrow. That's the, that's the name of God. If God gives you a lot of money, it does not end the name, security for the future. That's what he said. When he said, don't take the name of the Lord and place on what? A vain thing. What is the name of God? Listen to this. The name of God is not just, you know, we said this before. God's name is not Hebrew. It sounds Hebrew because the people that wrote it for us, they spoke Hebrew. If it was an Igbo man that wrote the Bible, he would have written the names of God in Igbo language. I hope you are getting my point. If the Fulani people were the ones that wrote the scriptures, the name of God would have come to us in Fulani, and it would not have changed the essence of his person. So don't get carried away that you learned, you know, when we in school, we learned the 12 names of God. Jehovah Chikenu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Roi, Jehovah, what's the holiness one? Jire, of course, Jireh, oh, Jehovah Jireh. We had Mekedishki, you know, the Lord of Abanas. What was that one? Nisi, yes, Nisi. And we kept on Shama, Sabo, thank you. Jehovah, all, Jehovah was all of these things. You know the truth? That was not the, those were not the only names of God. So I preached a series here, then I called the seven names of God to emphasize that there's a perfection about his person. And you keep on discovering him every day. So when you came in, in, in this generation and you began to program, you discovered another name, Jehovah the Programmer. Hallelujah. I hope you are getting my point. Because there is nothing you want to write into the, com- uh, the uh, computer that he did not create. Listen, Jesus doesn't come to you to come and say, how does that thing work? Don't, be ins- don't, don't insult him like that. Though. He never comes to your house and says, oh boy, you buy a laptop. How does it work? <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. Jesus, you know, you know, you must understand something. People think it's an unconscious thing. Like you think that uh, you explain to Jesus that, no, that's not my password. This is my password. You know, he will look at you like, what, who are you talking to? <laughs> I, don't need to I don't need to know your password. Your computer talks to me. You can't hide anything behind a password for me. Knowing the password is not even the issue. Is that what I need to crack it? I don't need to crack it. If I touch the edge of your laptop, it will boot. Delete your password. Open everything. For my angels to see. Me, I saw it already. I, I, I don't know what I mean. It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. You know, it's not me. You must understand this God. He doesn't make discoveries. He's the one that you discover. Before the concept of computing came into anybody's mind, he finished the fastest computer. But he opens the pages one by one for the computer engineers to read. And when they read one, they will sit down, bring it to life. I will not say this is a new new computer, it's a new discovery. You know, the one that I told you recently, I heard that William Myron Braham, that American prophet that died in 1965, I heard it myself. I heard this, the recording. He described driverless cars that he was seeing them on the streets of America. The cars he knew were box-like. He described the shape of these cars and how a family was sitting inside and nobody was driving. And that the car knew where to go. And he said that it's as if it's, con- it's controlled by rays from somewhere. He's, he was describing what we are just starting to see. He died in 65. So he gave this prophecy years before he died. That is, more than 50 years before we started, the man had seen it. So don't think God makes discoveries. He writes the end before there was a beginning. 
Please, I hope you're getting my point. So, I'm talking about the names of God. So, don't think that God will come and learn coding from you. They will now use his wisdom to perfect it. He wrote all the codes that you could... In fact, his angels can code. Let's not talk about him. He taught this one angel all the ability to code of all generations when time to die, and they will be writing all kinds of codes. I like one vision, Rabbi um, Sadducee Severide talked about when the Lord appeared to him once, and they had a lot of discussion. One of them was on physics. And the Lord told him what Albert Einstein said that was wrong. He showed him where Albert Einstein's theories were wrong. Where they got it wrong. And you don't think that, oh, wow, Lord, you know physics? That's an insult. You can't ask him whether he knows physics. He's physics. His thoughts are the things that you have written down that you now call physics. Laws that he put in place. By him, all things consist. Laws that he put in place is what you are now studying in what you call physics. So it's not as if, Lord, you know physics. He doesn't know physics. He invented physics. Physics, what you call physics, advanced, no matter how advanced it is, is the, is the, is the writing down of his thoughts. So he doesn't know physics. Physics is, ability, is our attempts to decode his process of creation, his process of operation of material things. That's what physics is. So don't come and say, does he know? He doesn't need to know physics. He can end physics with the blinking of his eyes. He says, okay, no more physics. After the Bible tells us right now, everything exists because of what? The word of his power. Let's bear it in mind. Let me not get carried away by that. I'm just going to emphasize the fact that I want to talk about the name of God there. Don't even... We keep discovering it. So it, it was not Hebrew. That's what I'm going to emphasize. It wasn't Hebrew. That's why I don't really... Personally, I don't like those names much. I, I became a... I, I was grown as a believer. I started dropping those things. So once in a while, the, poet, the poetry side of it will flow. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, when you call him, you know, El Shama, you, you sounds very spiritual. To you, to him. You are the one feeling spiritual. What's the name of that song? There's one song. Saying, he said, uh, uh, what name fits you? He said, he said, yeah. I looked at the brother, what is yeah? I mean, no disrespect, though. It's a nice song, we sing it in my house too. My wife sings all. My wife loves to sing praises. The other day, my wife was dancing and singing praises. I said, "Please put off that noise." I did. She said, "What did you say?" I said, "Sorry." We're like, I want to talk to you. You're not hearing me. So I'm singing. I'm dancing. To, oh, I said, "Sorry, sorry." I did. I didn't mean that the praise of God is noise. I just meant that I want to talk to you. You can't hear me. So my wife wakes up in the morning many times to say, "Sing the noise." Yahweh, yeah. <laughs> listen, it's a good song, amen? I hardly sing it. Nothing wrong with it because yeah is not English. And I don't know the meaning. That's all. That's I don't nothing, no disrespect. The person that impressed me the most, David Paulson. He said one day he went to pray. He was asking the Lord, what's What's your name, really? How do I explain you? And then one word dropped in his heart. And that word was what? Always. Always. For him, that was the best 
description of God. You know, he was speaking English. I grew up speaking English. We were talking about mother tongue. English is my mother tongue. It's true. That's the language I spoke. I mean, even though my mother is not English, and my father wasn't English, but when you're speaking, you have spoken the language all your life, which, okay, it's not my mother tongue, it's my tongue. Let's see my mother out of it. So when he said, always, that hit, I understood it. I understood it. I, I, I understood it. So when the Lord said his name is here, I said, what is here in English? I, I have no problem with that yard name. I just want to say, what is it in English that I can, because God, nobody baptized him one day and said, from today, your name shall be victory. There's nothing like that. His name is a description of his character, yeah. of his essence, yeah. of his glory. Yeah. So you have to describe that glory to understand what is God's name. And many times in life, what we end up experiencing, that things come out to struggle with us, or with God, I wanted to say, in our hearts, for his name. So sometimes we have a beautiful certificate. And if you have seen, <laughs> the most beautiful certificate I've ever seen is the postgraduate medical certificate. It's very beautiful. You know why? It's large. If I show you my certificate from the West African College of Physicians, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating, it's half of this table. Yeah, yeah, it's wide. It's wide. It, no, national is a normal one. The West African one, I don't know why, the, the design is large. To carry it, I have to put it in one massive envelope. Every photocopy has to shrink it. Because the real size is like A3. A3 is two A4s put together. You understand? It's really big. So if you see it, glorious. So I will now look at it and say, man, this is my, this man, this is my chopo. You know what that means? This is where I get my food. You have taken the name of the Lord and placed on a vein thing. That certificate is vain. The paper is very vain, we know that. But the thing it even represents is also vain. I remember one was many years ago when they were rioting. This was um, many people here were not born that time. But those who know, they know. 83. Was it 83? Yes, 83 now. The election of uh, Shagari, the second time. 83. Yeah. I was in Ondo State. So NPN tried to take Ondo State. Now, we had an NPN chairman in our estate. So, because they were looting everywhere. There was one NPN man's business that shared the fence almost with our estate. And they went there, burnt, looted the place. Why? Because NPN was declared as a winner in Ondo State. And Ondo was a UPN part, uh, state. UPN was another um, party. Of course, they eventually won back at, um, um, in the courts, and the adjacent was reinstalled as a governor against a mobile war. But that's not the gist. The gist was that in all that loot and everything, there was fear everywhere. I remember very well. My mother... <laughs> so people we moved out of the house because of... They were afraid of arsonists burning things up. So you didn't want anybody burnt in the house. But you couldn't carry any load. But I remember very well, my mother wrapped her certificates. That's why I'm talking about the story. I don't know whether my father's one was there too. And she explained that, look, this is what we used to eat. <laughs> That's what I'm telling the story. I was a little boy, like, she carried it. And, okay, everybody out of the house, out of the house, we moved. We, we didn't move, it was, a, it was an estate. We didn't really move, but... We're afraid they may set buildings. This guy, you know, it was serious riot. It was serious riot. You know, they killed people. 
You know, there was one particular woman, just to add this to you, when God said you won't die today, they poured petrol on her. And they struck the match, it didn't catch. They struck the second match, it didn't catch. They struck the third one, I think, it didn't catch. So the guy shook matches, were exhausted. So they should go and get another box. The woman already had petrol poured on her. They were going to set her light. The next thing they heard, police saying, woo, 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 woo. so they ran away. That's how she lived. That was how she lived. It was a terrible time. It was a terrible time. It was a terrible time. It was one of the things that brought the military back. But one of those things. By the end of the year, our current president was back as head of state. No, it started as head of state that time. But that's not the, the gist is that, look, that time, I remember my mother packing the certificate. I'm like, ah, this is very important too. As if without the certificate, this family would not eat. <laughs> no, now that I'm older. If I was the one, you know what I would like? Let me be honest. It's just one thing I'm going to take. My wife knows what I will take. My computer, thank you, Israel knows. <laughs> Israel knows. Israel, you got it. I'll just take my computer. <laughs> well, the books I'm writing, I don't need. That's my tool of work. That's my tool. <laughs> one day, my wife was very angry with me. This was years ago. She was very, very angry. So I came to the house. You know what happened? She took my computer and went and hid it. That was the worst thing she could do to a man of God. She took my computer and went and hid it. And I laughed. I said, where were you? Is it not inside this house? <laughs> I will find. I, I just waited for her to go out. I looked for my computer and I found it. Don't look where she's there. If she goes to break it now, they will have been worse. But you see, we do that. We take, we look at the certificate and say, this is God. And you see, that's the thing about knowing the name of God. We never call it God. We won't call it Yah. Are you getting my point? We will not. We will not. We won't say this is Jehovah. Because we think that's the name of God. But we'll not take the real names of God and start applying it. So we'll call it provider. See where the problem is? That's why you need to know the real name of God. If you keep on speaking Hebrew, you will break the commandments of God and not realize. If you keep on speaking languages you don't get, you'll be doing things that the Lord said do not do, and you won't get the point. Because if you did not call God provider at home, you can call your boss provider. If you did not call God security for the future, you can call your savings security for the future. But I hope you are getting my point. That's where the mistake is. Because you go home, when you're at home, you want to worship, let's worship, oh, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El, 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 you call him El, 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 all kinds of things. They now turn to your office and say, this is where food comes from. But if you had called him, where food comes from, we worship you. Where water comes from, we worship you. Where sustenance comes from, we worship you. Our vaccination, we worship you. Do you get my point? Then when the natural said, look, this is where food comes from. He said, wait, 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 wait. Where could food comes from? We talked to him, not it. We talked to him this morning. And this is not where food comes from. That office is not. The certificate is not. That's what he was saying when he said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God and put on what? A vain thing. Last time we explained, why do we worship? I, I mean, no, no, last week's message, I, 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 I love it. We explained that God 
We say God created us to worship him. I think we now understand in this house that that statement is not really, it's not the end. No, it's not. There's, there's a small, some truth in it, but it does not really depict the character of God. It's why somebody is accusing him of thinking only about himself. Spoke big English that is preoccupied with the preservation of his own prerogative. Wow. Yes, that's how a philosopher insulted the Lord. You know the truth? The Lord forgave him. You know why? He doesn't know better. He's but a child. That's what he said about God, that he's preoccupied with the, with, with the preservation of his own prerogative. So because he reads the scriptures, and God keeps saying, that shall worship the Lord thy God alone. Only him you will serve. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And they wonder, hey, you, you want to be the only one? You want to be the only one? What they, does, what they don't realize is that the reason what they are accusing him of is the opposite of the thing he is trying to do. Why did he create man? Simply put, to multiply himself. That is the summary of it. That's why the destiny of every one of us is to be formed in the image of the Son. That's it. What God wants is that I come out in the morning, I look. Where is Jesus? I can't tell. In quote, you know what I'm saying? Even though he knows everything. But all of them look the same. So then I say, ah, where is Jesus here? Let's use his earthly name. Savior of mankind. He will say, behold, I and the children that you gave to me. I don't know what I get my point. That's what we tell the father. And the father will look and they are all the same. So why do we worship? It's because he wants to create himself in us. We saw last time that you become like what you worship. You become like who you worship. In his presence, there's a, there's, a, there's a radiation, that's the only word I can use, that comes out of his presence, that breaks the flesh of clay. Remember we explained last time, that why did God make man out of the dust of the earth, out of clay? How did he form him of clay? It's the same thing he taught us later in engineering. If you want to make a knife, you first make a mold. And that mold is made out of clay. Then you put the hot metal into the clay. And by the time the metal is fully formed, you break the clay. The flesh of Adam was to be broken. It was not supposed to survive forever. Was Adam going to live forever? I'll tell you the truth. Yes, but not in that flesh. Listen to me, not in that original flesh. Adam was going to get the resurrection body that we are still going to get. And you know the truth? It's not, listen, listen, let's think about it. Yes or no? Are we all going to die? According to scripture, yes or no? No, no, you Bible, are you reading? Paul said we will not all sleep. Hi. Are you using science to answer me? Use scripture, that's what I said. If you know something, I keep on saying, if Jesus has not returned, you don't keep on saying that. So when I say, are we all going to die? The answer is what? No. Paul said we will not all sleep. But we will all be changed. True of us. We will not all sleep because Paul was careful not to use the word die. He doesn't like using the word die. Listen, the truth is that when you have seen things, you won't like to use the word die. This die, die thing is for those of who are, who, who, when we have not seen. Because when we, anybody dies on the earth, we don't see the person again. But if you have been to heaven and you have visited the person and say, oh boy, ah, what was the rush? He said, we'll talk, the Lord will tell you about that later. 
and you come back to the earth. Next time somebody dies, you, won't, you can't say he died. You will know he shut his eyes here and he moved on to somewhere else. That's why Paul kept on saying sleep. He used the word sleep. Anyway, let me not get stuck there. So he said, we will not all sleep, he said. But we will all be what? Changed. Now let's go back to Adam. Adam too was supposed to experience that. Do you know why? Out of that dust, get the point. When God said, dust thou art, so dust thou shalt return. What was he talking about? Was he talking about the real man that Adam was supposed to be? No. Why that curse applied was that by the choice Adam made, he was strengthening the natural man. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yes. That's why God had to tell him that. That all these things you are doing grow, grow over is going back to dust. This independence you want for yourself is going back to dust. This car that if God doesn't give you, you won't serve him again, is going back to dust. This house that is the only thing you have used all your work in the last five years to build is going back to dust. This career you have built like there's nothing else is going back to dust. Everything you have done to magnify the flesh is going back to dust. Why? Because originally that was what the flesh was for. It was dust. It was supposed to go back to dust. What will I, because in our Bible studies, we may get there later. We have been looking at Adam. The plan of God, have you noticed something? That God told them there are two trees in the garden. He did not give them a commandment not to eat the good one. Why? He gave the commandment not to eat the bad one. First, there are a number of reasons. Number one, it is that one. The, God only instructs concerning that which you will do that you are not supposed to do. And then the one you will refuse to do that you are supposed to do. Don't eat that one. He knew that's the one they want to eat. They want to magnify the flesh. It's natural with people. It's natural with people. But let's not talk about that one. What I want to talk about is the second one. What was it there for? I'll tell you. What was it there for? Didn't say they shouldn't eat it. They were supposed to get to eat it eventually. First, it was going to be a product of choices. They will have grown. Let me put it this way. They will have grown to appreciate it. They will have grown to desire it. That tree at that point in time, it was not attractive to them. They had not yet grown enough. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know the way you, how you test whether a child has grown. Like somebody was testing a child once. Put a plate of rice and chicken there. And put a bundle of 500 naira notes. And asked the child, choose one. So the child went and chose the bundle of money. He said, this world has spoiled. <laughs> the guy said, hey, wala deo. He put a plate of, you know, rice, pots, nice looking, and put chicken on it. Still, the child take and put money there. The child looked. At, the child looked. Took a while. Finally, collect. Anyone you take is your own. The child looked at the rice. Looked at the man. Looked at the money. A little girl. She finally grabbed the money. The man said, "You can have the rice." The girl knows. I know. <laughs> Anyone you say I should take, Abby. She took the bundle of money, which came to about 50000 as a bundle. 
The man now said, you can go. And the child turned around and went. The boy said, the man said, this world is upside down. <laughs> what is it the world is upside down? That when the children begin to appreciate the value of money over the taste of food. But you see the, the point there. If that child was, let's say, a year younger, was a really small child, but let's just pull her back a little bit. Which one would she have gone for? The rice. The older she got, the more she knew how to appreciate money. She began to appreciate the fact that okay, all this rice here is no more than 1,000 <laughs> <laughs> This bundle here, I will not be able to count, but I know it has done at the mall. <laughs> we have been there before. I've seen daddy pay. I've seen mommy pay for things. Just small of it, last time we went, the ice cream was this size. <laughs> Another small of it, <laughs> I knew the amount of uh, chicken that came home. Bros, keep your eyes. <laughs> Why? They had grown to appreciate. That's what I'm trying to say. Adam and Eve were going to grow to appreciate something. And this is my thought. Let me, don't let me use the word conviction yet. That time, when that time will come, or when that time would have come, they will have taken of the tree of life, eaten of it, and lived forever. Which was what God said he didn't want them to do when he drove them away. Why did he want them to live forever? He didn't want them to live forever in a fallen state. Yeah. And that, that was the reason. So he left it for them to develop spiritually until they will be able to eat it and live forever in the state. That is when they will have collected their resurrection body. Resurrection is not an afterthought. No, you don't think I, because man now died, God now took it. He didn't invent the resurrection body now. The original body was made so that the eternal body may be formed in it. That one being what? The frame. The mold, thank you. That one being the mold. Please, I hope you're getting my point. But how were they going to be transformed? It's simply through what? Worship. So that was what worship was about. So when God said, you will not worship another God, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't preoccupied, you know, that, that big English. He was not preoccupied with the preservation of his prerogative. No, he wasn't. Some philosophers are actually going to go to hell because... <laughs> no. He was saying, this is the way by which you will become what I made you to be. I said something last time. If you, which is my main message. At least my main message in this series is what I'm talking about now. I began the last time. Which is that the world has systems which they make us worship. Now listen, what is worship? We've been talking about what worship is, right? Let's look at what worship is in practical terms. You know, I said last time, who is a God or what's a God? I said there are two sides to him, right? There is the upward side, which is what? Worship. And there is the downward side, which is what? Blessing. So the God that you serve is the one you expect blessing from his hands. You get the point? And it's, it's implicit in worship. Whether you like it or not, once you worship, you, your spirit is expecting something from that place. Yes, it is. If you're very carnal, the primary thing you are looking for in worship is material things. But when you become more spiritual, when I say more spiritual, you understand the things that matter. When you worship, what you are longing for 
are eternal things. I hope you're getting my point. You want to be in his presence. So that, because you know that, like somebody said, you know that song, in your presence, that's where I belong. That's where I'm strong. What do I, what do I want to do? I just want to behold your face. You know, touch your grace. You know, it's not like, Lord, when we worship, you will give us food. I keep on telling Christians, please forget this nonsense of you sow a seed, God will multiply it, so you start giving so you can get more money. That's ungodly. If giving for you is not a way of expressing appreciation for God and being like your father, please better stop giving. You prosper more by eating your money by yourself if you don't have the right thoughts. These ungodly thoughts we used to bring, for, bring offerings. It's not good, though. We're wasting our time. We're wasting our money. Everything we do as believers in worship, when we understand spiritual things, our expectation, what we are looking forward to is, must be a spiritual substance. And Jesus has, he said it again. Like, don't worry about these material things. They will be added. He said, don't worry about them. They will be added. Worship is the way by which we become. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, sir. It's our way of becoming. It's our way of becoming. We are becoming like him. We are becoming. That's what worship is. And that's why I said, don't worship another God. If you do, you become like them. And the last time I explained that none of these gods have love. Not one. Ogun doesn't have love. He doesn't know the meaning of love. He doesn't love anybody. He operates like a computer. Kalo, kalo. He doesn't... There's no law. He's offered the sacrifices as a result. He's not trying to help you. You must understand. There's no God that's trying to help you. They don't love you. They don't care about you. In fact, they are the ones that are preoccupied with the preservation of their own prerogative. <laughs> they are the ones. The real God, he loves you. He loves me. He does. He's always thinking about us. Always thinking about us. Always thinking about us. Always thinking about us. Always. He's preoccupied. David said, what is man that you are? Now listen, let's use the word mindful. Let's analyze it. What does it mean? Your mind is full. Always thinking. He checks how the sun behaves because of us. He checks how the moon behaves because of us. The rotation, the rotation of the earth fashioned for our good. The revolution fashioned for our good. The distance of each star from here is measured for our good. So David said, what is man? That you're just fool. Your mind is fool. Fool, you know, fool. Your mind is full, you know, he's like a young man, you know, he wants to marry. He's in love, you know, mind is what? Full of the girl, full, full. When he wants to rent a house, he's thinking of her. He wants to buy a shirt. Have you ever been there before? And your, your friends are, no, not you, you won't know that you are, you are mad. It's your friends. You know, you know, when you are there, you are crazy, so you don't realize It's when your friend is doing it that you, 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 you as me, you are like four friends. Three of you now say, what is wrong now? Is that guy crazy? But you can't tell him. 
One of my guys, when I was serving, when I was in the house of those days, that guy, he fell in love with one girl. We were t- when you see him coming, you dodge. You don't want to hear. You are going, you are going like this. Ah, Banky, how now? Hey, fast. Because just give fast. Fast. We're going fast. Ha! Within 30 seconds, Jesus has gone to that girl. <laughs> I didn't know girls like this existed. Hey, can you come? Can you come? He said, in fact, Banky, I go marry him. Oh, well, just marry him back. Can I have some peace? <laughs> When you manage to escape, say, the place that they call me, you run away. Ah, ah, thank God, thank God. When they catch you next time, hey. So like I was saying, you see, hey, what is this girl that you are mindful of her? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Just to complete that guy's gist, one day I went to Winners in Lagos. That time he was not a believer. Oh, one day I went to Winners in Lagos. Who did I see? Fash. Which who? That girl. Kind of little girl. Oh, fully married. He was not explaining to me that in this life is only Christ. <laughs> I was looking at you like this. Oh, I saw him in Winner's Chapel. He had, ma- he had married the girl. They had a daughter. I, I, I don't know when, they gave, when he gave his life to Christ. Now everything he knew that time Christ, he had fallen in love again. This time around, with Christ. Before I will say something, you will remind me that all these things don't matter once you are in Christ. <laughs> if you say Naira is doing like this against the dollar, you say that is the problem when they are outside Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that guy spoke Christ. I said, I was re- in my heart, I was rejoicing. So that's what God is like with man. What is man that you are what? Mindful. So he will call Gabriel, come, Angel Gabriel. Angel Gabriel will arise, salute, bow, worship. He will go to the earth, and his mind is another man. He knows, Daniel is praying. So <laughs> Gabriel knows, Daniel is praying, we leave every other thing. What is man that you are mindful of him? So Gabriel goes there and says, hm, Daniel, or Bob Daniel, man of high esteem. They talk about you all the time in heaven. And the Gabriel hears his name. He appears again. You will go to the earth. Oh, Barry. What is it this time? There's a young woman. Her name is Mary. Okay, sir. Go and give her a message. Hey, Mary, relax. You're full of grace. The Lord is with thee. He is mindful of you. Every time Gabriel hears his name, he knows a man needs something from the Lord. When Michael is called, he pulls his sword. A man needs to be defended. What is man that you are mindful of him? That's what is unique about this, our God. He is not like other gods. He actually loves us. Absolutely. He loves us. Absolutely. Completely. He's thinking of you. He's thinking of me every single day. You're thinking about your life in five years. He has finished arranging it for 500 years. That is just the way he is. 
He says, don't follow these other gods. They don't have your interests at heart. In fact, they have only one purpose. To diminish your vision of me. They have just one purpose. To scuttle my eternal plan. They have one purpose. To remove your focus on me. Don't follow them. The Ten Commandments were not written for God's benefit. Every single one was written to benefit the people in covenant with him. Every single one. Every single one. Every single one written to benefit the people in covenant with him. He said, these other gods, what you don't know is their aim. They're not even looking for worship because worship is good. They are looking for worship so you have no time to worship me. They want to frustrate my eternal plan. Because you can't worship two things. Yes. When were we discussing this? I was, okay, I was on Tuesdays. There was something I was explaining. That God gives an allotment of time space. Can I use the word time space? And you can only do one thing with it. So, okay, it was radio recording, yes. That you either worry or you pray. You can't do both. You either grumble or you give thanks. You can't do both. So grumbling removes thanksgiving from your mouth. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. In the same manner, you can't worship two gods. You can't. You can't. Either you worship the true God or you worship all the other gods. That's how it's divided. And so once you worship the other god, they have just one purpose in mind. Just one purpose. This eternal God, they will not worship him. What would they gain from worshiping themselves? They have nothing to turn people into. Apart from their own corrupt, you know, nature. But they want to be sure that God's plan in your life and my life does not work. That's why this, what was Satan looking for? This plan of God must not work. If Jesus worshipped him, he won't turn to God. I don't know whether you get my point. You don't turn who are you are worshipping to something else. You are the one that changes. I hope I get what I'm saying. You won't worship God and go, you know, we make it look like when you bow before God, you'll be, get, you'll be getting bigger. What are you looking like me? Get bigger into where? Where is the space that I have not yet filled? You know, I, I mean, we sometimes teach worship like that. When you praise God, his head will just be swelling. Very soon to explode with blessing. <laughs> That's our reason. But listen to me, you don't change the person you worship. Even if not a demon, you can't change him. So you can't change God. It is the worshiper that changes. It's a worshiper that's transformed. When you worship Satan, you become rebellious. You hear what I said? When you worship Satan, you become what? Rebellious. Every home where Satan is worshipped is full of rebellion. You don't have a choice. The children don't have a choice. Every home where you worship foreign gods is full of rebellion. It's full of rebellion simply because you become what you worship. You are worshiping rebellious spirits, you drink of their spirit. You worship angry spirits, you drink of their spirit. 
Every father, every mother, bear this in mind. You must bring the worship of the true God in practice into your home. You must. When you give birth to children, they are bundles of clay also. Or they are just clay. They are clay. Molded. Prepared. For God to form Christ out of them. Just like we saw at the beginning. So what do you owe them? Bring in true worship. Let them know who the true God is. Let them know how to worship him. Let them know how. How. Sometimes, listen, this is not the core of worship, but it's important. Physical form matters also. What I'm going to say is that there's something, a little thing we do in the house. You know this declaration we take here, you know, of glory of God? We take mostly from Jeremiah chapter 10, Psalm 2, and a number of other ones. Anytime I want to do it, we must stand. There have been times that I want to collapse. You know, like the desire of my heart is to collapse. I'm tired, I'm sleepy. That is, I will drag myself up by force. Everybody, you stand straight when we want to take the declaration of the glory of God. The expressions of worship. We need to learn more about worshiping. In fact, we need to learn more. We've not talked much about it from this platform, but we need to learn more about worshiping and expressions of worship. It's important. You have to bring worship into homes for the sake of the children because they must be transformed. Listen, when you worship Satan, there are different ways of worshiping Satan. Stand at television watching all kinds of movies for 12 hours is worship of Satan. Big brother something is worship of Satan. You bring rebellion into the house. Spirits make people do things. So. Don't think it's a joke. Satan pushes people. People can be possessed. Infants can be possessed of spirits. I'm not kidding. When I saw that small girl that, that set 4 billion, is it 10 billion naira on fire in Abuja? How many of you saw that? You know, CCTV caught the girl setting fire for nothing. And then she and somebody went aside to go and watch. They watched something worth billions born, and they found it funny. And when they caught the girl, how old was she? Nine. Don't believe in demon possession. You just saw one. It's called pyromania. Gets a kick out of watching valuables born. If she wanted fire, why didn't she go to burn grass? It's a spiritual kick. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that's expressing itself. It, the spirit expresses itself through people. So you bring worship into homes to transform children in godliness. You don't just sit down and be instructing them, be godly, be godly, be godly. You don't just stand and be instructed. Instruction is part of it. But that's not all you do. You bring true worship. Because when people worship, they become. When they worship, they what? They become. They get transformed. And listen to me, believers, everything we worship, everything we do must be a form of worship. Every single thing. 
Say, Pastor Banky, even eating precisely. That's why when you eat, you start with what? Thanksgiving. You acknowledge the giver. He gave us all things to enjoy. You reject the spirit of gluttony. Eating when you are already full. It's the spirit of gluttony. Let no good thing pass me by. The spirit of gluttony. You reject it's part of worship. I'm telling you. You learn to eat at the right time because you're not worship, eating just for yourself. It's an expression of worship. You start with thanksgiving. You learn to share. You learn to value things. To surprise many people that God hates waste. Don't just carry food and just throw it in the dustbin. First time you do it, you realize that it was not deliberate. You apologize to the Lord. Lord, we are sorry. We didn't know it was there. It's false while we're not watching. You apologize to him. Don't just throw in the basket like it's, it's nothing. It took God grace to bring that thing into your house. Treat it with respect. Jesus multiplied food. He said, gather up the remnant. Let nothing be wasted. The power he used is inexhaustible. They could have made for ten times that number of people. So why was he gathering twelve baskets? Why did he just leave it there? Because it's against the spirit of godliness. There are things the Lord would do. It's just to make sure you understand the godly spirit. Like we said the other time, we said we laughed about it, that when he rose up from the dead, he took his napkin and folded it. And kept it neatly in one corner. And did not behave the way most of us leave our beds. You rise in the morning, the place is scattered. Jesus rose up from the dead. He wasn't coming back there to sleep again. Yet he took the napkin. Said Mary might need this. Folded it. And kept it in one corner. And that's how come they knew he didn't rise up in the hall. Nobody stole the body. The way many of us leave our homes, they know we have been kidnapped. They just know we have been kidnapped. <laughs> Everything is scattered. Everything is scattered. There are principles of God in even in eating your food. So next time you say, no, don't cook that much. We can't finish it. If it's so plenty, ask the Lord, where do I give this out to? Well, God hates waste. It doesn't like, it's, the way people just waste food anyhow. You know this world of today? Hey, you know that day I was talking with uh, David, that day you were in the, inside the bank, when David and I were outside, David's her son, you know? We're just talking about this uh, global warming um, conser- conservation thing. So I was telling him that, that he knows a lot of things they say. It's pure politics. He laughed. He said, of course, he knows that. He said, a lot of them is politics. I was not saying that, look, how could they, how can they tell me that maybe, when I went to the matter of fish, that uh, the fish is fishing, f- finishing in the ocean. I said, I, I said, do you know how God has made preparation? He said something. He said, sir, you should see the way they prepare the fish. When he said that to me, it struck me. He said, they are very wasteful. He said, they take a salmon like this, when they chop it, like half of it is in the dustbin. 
said, that is what the problem is. You see all this grumbling, 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 they are grumbling about The problem is they waste a lot. And people are comfortable with wasting. Governments will pour food into the ocean rather than have it shipped to the poor so as to maintain prices. And God is angry. Treating food properly is part of worship. You know, it's just that this world does not listen to the Lord. If the world did, eh, they would say a lot of the social, sociology they are practicing is a lie. They have broken the laws of God in many areas. So they are now suffering the consequences and now fighting the consequences. And some of these waste is lack of thanksgiving. If you are really giving thanks, you be careful before you waste. If you really are thanking somebody. I'm giving, as a matter of fact, if you really are thankful, before you waste, you will think twice. You will think twice before you waste. You will let the Lord say, sorry, Lord, it was not intentional. I just don't know what else to do. Huh. Even in food, even in food, we worship. I wrote a book, Worship and Sex Control. A sign of idolatry is promiscuity. As I wrote the book. Please, if you haven't already read it, go and download it. In fact, if you are listening to us online, you can download it now. You just, just type into your browser, bit dot, bit, bit, yeah, bit dot li, that's L-Y, slash read, then capitals W-S-C. That's read, worship, and sex control. But W-S-C is in capitals. Every that in small character. It's a small book, you can download it. But it's, it's big, you know, in size, but... Maybe like two, three megabytes. It's your, it's, it's your device. Sex is a form of worship. What did the world practice? Pure idolatry. They are empowering Satan in their lives and turning themselves into corrupt creatures. See everything as a form of what? Worship. As you do that, you are being transformed into. The image of the son. Who is shaped in the image of the father? Why did Jesus come the way he is? So that we can see somebody who has lived on this earth and we can be exactly like him. Like we were saying earlier. Why did he have to be around for 30 something years to be sacrificed? Why didn't he just show up again? I said, hey, where the cross? it. But he had to go through what we are going through. He had to walk on our earth. He had to feel our pain. He had to go hungry. You know, those days when we were young, they, those days on campus, when they were teaching us faith, they said that he never felt sick. It was the first, were you the one that quoted the Zakunet for me? That was the first day I thought about it. I said, Jesus never felt sick when he was in the I said, I don't believe it anymore. No. There were times he woke up, his head was pounding. Oh, yes, I don't doubt it again in my heart. Not because I'm taking anything away from his nature. But you have to understand that he needed to feel our pain. It was deliberate. They broke his heart. You think Judas was the first to break his heart? Judas couldn't break his heart. You know why? He knew what Judas would do. He knew his experience of heartbreak was when he was younger. 
His friends did him strong thing too. He had to experience it. He walked the earth. He knew how to take his pains to the Lord in prayer. We saw him praying. There are times he said, I'm going to kill somebody. For this is the done. I will kill somebody. Then he will go to prayer. Why? He will, with much, with, with, how did he say it again? With loud cries. He prayed to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he was, he feared. He realized that if I kill somebody, I will spoil the eternal plan of God. So in prayer, he let the person go. Felt everything. And when everything had been done, he now went to the cross and died as the sacrificial lamb for us. That's the way it worked. That's the way it works. And that's the way it worked. So, we are now being formed in that image. And listen to me, worship. That's what it does for us. I said we're going to talk about, we're talking about what worship, how we worship. And, sorry, what worship is what it does for us. How do we worship? Quickly. Let's get down to it. Chapter 6, Deuteronomy. This was the one the Lord dropped in my heart as Mamiya was speaking. I just realized that, look, I'm supposed to take the message up from where she stopped there. We are still on the first commandment, of course, we are mixing with the third commandment. In fact, all of the three together. Like I said, the world has this system. Remember that? And we said it last time that the longer we spend in the world system, the more we become like them or like it. The corrupt system of the world will become corrupt also. He said, because of the multitude of your transactions or, the mach- or your merchandise, you have filled the midst of thee with what? Violence or cruelty, if you use King James. So what the world wants is for us to be filled with their own activities until we become unfeeling. In the last days, people will become without love. They will not be, see. Even of capitalism. Pure capitalism, the way the world practices, not the way the Puritans taught it. The Puritans saw the capitalism from a different perspective. What the Puritans called capitalism was a way of expressing the gift that God gave to you. They believed that God gave gifts to people. Occupy with this until I come. He gave some ten talents. You know, ten minas. Some five. Some two, one, and different measures. So they said that we have not been equally gifted. So, socialism and communism, that kind of system tries to equate people. So they said no now. That's not how it is. In fact, a Christian capitalist, I believe that's what he was, Henry Ford, he said not every man can be an entrepreneur. He said, what's the job of entrepreneurs? An entrepreneur's job, he said, is to give every person the opportunity to be productive. So no matter how unskilled you are, Henry Ford will find you a job that will make you be in a position that you can contribute to life. And he had a principle that that job should pay enough 
to give you a comfortable life. That was his own basic reasoning. That's true capitalism. So he needed the freedom to express the full gift of God in his life. His anger against banks was that he didn't understand that. They thought it was about money. So every time he had interaction with banks, he said, what's wrong with you guys? When I need to build a car, I get pliers and screwdrivers and all of that. So one of the tools for doing business is money. That I did not set up a factory because of wheel spanner. Wheel spanner was brought in to help me build a car. In the same manner, I didn't set up my factory because of money. I just borrowed money to be able to build the cars. Why do you guys want to kill the cars to get more money? That was his own issue. He said, no, these guys are evil. So he never borrowed money from them, maybe apart from his earliest years. He found a way to get money from people, you know, other people, his customers. When he wanted to build his headquarters, he added a certain price on the cars. So that extra money added on the cars was used to build the headquarters. And as soon as he was done with building, he removed that money again. The price went back to what it used to be. Now, I'm bringing out something. But the way the world thinks of capitalism, which was what he was angry with, is a system that is actually satanic. It's about money. Money is a god. What, what, what do I say, God? You are dead without money. Your future is planned by money. Your future is secured by money. Everything is money. The business that is doing well is the one that makes more money. So the whole system is about money, 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 money. So that is why this world's financial system doesn't have a choice. It will continue to collapse periodically. It's a, because it's a corrupt system. Now, unfortunately, this is why we have to be careful. Christian, human beings generally, Christians included, we have not bothered to try and soak ourselves in the system of God and away from the system of the world. For that reason, you know one thing about God, let me add this one to, to it, even though I've said it many times before. God is very dispassionate about some things, though. Assuming that God is a very good friend. Hmm? And he tells you, David, I know you love me, and you know I love you too. And you say, yes, God. I know you do everything I say. I say, yes, God. But you say, I want to talk about this. As long as I say, I say, it's women I wanted to say, your heart closes, so God doesn't say anything anymore. That's what happened to David. Don't think God did not know what David was doing was wrong. And he didn't want to tell him. He wanted to, but David couldn't hear it. Jesus said, there are many things I want to tell you. Can't bear them. So if God goes in the direction of women, David shuts him down before he finishes speaking. So he never says anything. So with all the love he had for David, David said, can we kill a bear? God said, yeah, bear killing is our job. They kill a bear. What about a lion? Is it disturbing you? David says, yes. So an angel goes, jumps on David's back, and they slaughter the lion. What about Goli? Uh, Goli comes, 
against the people of God. David goes, kills Goliath. Then, <laughs> Bathsheba will come. And he doesn't have defense against Bathsheba. And God says nothing. He's been going, you know, remember my quote all the time? One day I counted, they mentioned the first six sons of David. And they'll tell you, um, let, find me, let's use the Igbo names. Huche, the son of Amaka. Next one, <laughs> give me another name. Chinedu, the son of Ndidi. <laughs> another name. Okay, the son of uh, Chineye. Then, Ebuka, the son of uh, Chidima. They counted six boys born by six different women. Now, David, hey, excuse me. Is it only boys they born in that family? Then I realized that there were 12 women pregnant at the same time. Yes, there must have been. That's how come six different women gave it to his first six sons. And God was just shaking his head and saying, Omo, you go soon jam. None of these boys was responsible. Not one. So, you know, I tell you, when people come and well, God allowed David to marry many wives. Eh? God will also allow you to marry many wives and have many troubles. Just tell the person like that, add to it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Let him go. Because, you know, some of the arguments we want to get involved, it just annoys me. You define many wives, go and marry. Now, why do you want to use the Bible to support it? Let me repeat what I said before. Don't look out for what God permits. Look for what pleases him. Don't look for what he permits. Look for what pleases him. People looking for permission, permission. It's not permission, it's pleasure. What pleases him should be more important to you than what he permits. What am I talking about that? So if God, if, look, bankers, serve the Lord, love the Lord, preach, the, preach, raise your children in the way of the Lord, love everybody in the way of the Lord, then love money. Despite all the love God has for you, the consequences of the love of money will be in your life. There is no defense against it. Listen, there is no way around it. If you take a part of your life and give it to a worldly system. He that sows to the flesh, we from the flesh reap what? Corruption. There is no defense. God has not planned any defense against the corruption that comes from sowing into the wrong system. What did we just do? When the corruption comes to your life, you get bandaged. He has it. He asked Bam. Lord, didn't you know the bank was going to collapse? Was the shit that's collapsed on you now? Where did he crack your skull? Come, may I heal the cracked skull? He broke your leg. No, I will straighten the leg. When I collapsed on you, I'm sorry. I will not do anything about it again and again. Why? I told you, I warned you about the world system. You can't be taking risk in disobedience to me and expect me to protect you. Let me tell you the truth there. Eh? The world system is enticing. Let's talk about money briefly. <laughs> you will see Bitcoin go from $10 to $50,000 in a few years. 
And God allowed it to happen as temptation for your soul. That's all. I keep on telling people, temptations are called temptations because they are tempting. Any Christian that loves quick money will be injured by it. There is no, it's a prophetic word founded upon scripture. In fact, what the Bible calls prophetic word is actually the word of scripture. The other day I was reading my Bible. I now realized something Jeremiah said. So it said, what is prophets prophesy? He said, let the prophet that has my word speak. It dawned on me. Jeremiah was saying, when it comes to real prophecy, it must be founded on that which is written, not what you saw as a vision. Yeah. Jeremiah said, no, let the prophet that has my word, let him speak. Jeremiah, what was God saying to Jeremiah? He said, no, let the prophet that knows the scripture, let him talk. Not the one that's prophesying what is pleasing people. I hope you're getting my point. What am I going to say here? Listen, 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 listen. God will not defend. He won't defend his children from the consequences of disobedience. No. So if we decide to sow in the world, and that's what the world does. Temptations are tempting. They suck us in, suck us in, suck us in, suck us in. And the people of God now join the love of quick gain. And everyone that loves quick gain. I'm going to give you two prophecies. Everyone that loves quick gain will be financially destroyed. Especially when he's a believer. See, there are two reasons believers get destroyed from, because of quick gain. Number one, there's a natural order of destruction. Then there's judgment against disobedience, specifically directed against believers who knew the truth but suppressed it in unrighteousness. Please, I hope you are are getting my point. The second prophetic word, I leave it for now, is for when we are doing business by the Spirit next. Because David said, okay, I'll say small about it, but we'll discuss it later. David said, incline my heart to your, is it fear, rather than to gain. Now, most Bible books were dishonest. No, literally, he said to gain. Whatever I'm doing in life, please, let gain not be my primary focus. Like I said, we'll discuss that next time. How do we worship? Chapter 6, Deuteronomy, from verse 1. Now, this is a commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. He said, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that, it may, that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now notice verse 4. This is actually where we're headed, headed for. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Last time we talked about that extensively, remember that. Then the context in which he was speaking, the people came out of a culture that had many gods, different gods for different things. He said, there's just one. Now, this God, listen to the next verse. Let me read that again. He said, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God, this one God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them. Oh, please, I need to read this in Amplified Bible. This verse 7, because just beautiful. Just because of my love for it. He said, you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets, that is, four-headed bands between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and your gates. Please, I need to read a few more verses. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God. You shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and it will wipe you off the face of the earth. Sometimes people will tell you things like, uh, uh, God does not wipe Christians off now. My mind is that, why are you taking consolation in the fact that disobedience does not have repercussion? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why do you want to be disobedient? I don't know whether you're getting my argument. Why do we just want to prove that even if we disobey, we are safe? Who wants to be safe in disobedience? Lord, please, I don't want to be safe in disobedience. Correct me. Just be gentle, Sha. <laughs> okay, person. But please, I don't want comfort that uh, God will not do anything. No, God, do something. Do something. Because if you get hardened in disobedience, mm, mm, I don't want to get hardened in disobedience at all. But I'm trying to show us here what is worship. What is worship? It is simple. See how it started in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's where I was going, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Please follow those words. With all your heart. That is, get your emotions involved. With all your soul, your whole being. Not just your emotions, your thoughts. Remember the, 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 the man in love we were talking about earlier? That's what we're talking about. It's just beyond his emotions now. His thoughts. Everything was about the woman he's in love with. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your soul. Think about him all the time. And then with all your might. You know what might means? Hebrew word for might is the same word for money. It's the same word for riches. It's the exact same word for productivity. Do you get my point? So you love the Lord thy God with your emotions. You love him with your whole being, even your material things. 
That is every aspect of you. Every energy is in the, now notice the word, is in the pursuit of God. That is true worship. Every part of your being is pursuing him. In your thoughts, you are thinking about him. That's why I said earlier, let's leave this issue of, does God permit this? Leave it. Does it please him? Does he love it? I give this illustration once in a while to show what I mean when you're thinking about somebody. If my wife travels, I know the things to do to make her arrive back home happy. Some years ago, she traveled, was gone for about three weeks or so. Coming back, what did we do? Of course, we tied balloon. You know balloons? Put balloons in the room. Put on the wall. Welcome back. There was no commandment in the scripture that she do any of these things. So. Not, not one. I just thought about when she comes back, what would make her happy. I hope I get my point. That's all. If I remember one of our sisters then, I went and met her at that place. She needed to help me with some, she used to do a decoration and a lot of stuff. So I needed to borrow some things from her. She now said, what are you doing with it? I told her. I said, you know, my wife has been gone for a few weeks, so she's going to come back in two days. So we want to decorate the house for her. Hey, he said, hey, Pastor B, tell your friend now. <laughs> That's her own husband. I'll teach this thing to your... You know, I told people the other time that I'm romantic. It's the only word that they preach. And they preach word, though, but uh, I also know some other romantic elements of life. R- romance is like engine oil. It makes the engine work smoother. It, it, it's less likely to knock. He says, see? <laughs> Damn me. Damn me. Damn me. How many times did I call you? You know that your wife, your wife is shouting that you preach on so. <laughs> the Lord is good. But one thing I notice consistently, even if she's gone for just two days, I found out early, my wife must meet a clean house. If the house is not clean, she won't fight you. But I've noticed that it gives her an extra kick. It works all the time. Even the children know that mommy just went away for two days. Victory, get the vacuum cleaner. Hey, Mena, you know, that is, I start giving instructions. Right, mommy, I'm going to the airport now. I'm picking out her flight is landing by 10 o'clock. So, so mm, everybody's <laughs> vacuuming everywhere. Clean that table, everything's being arranged. Change the bed, she's, why? You know what? There's no commandment. Oh. I've not seen, thou shalt keep the house neat on the return of thy bride. There's nothing like that. <laughs> there are times, eh, I am tired. And it still must be done. When my children were smaller, I used to go and get somebody else to come and do it. I couldn't do it all by myself. When they are bigger, I just share the roles. And in 40 minutes, everything is done. Why? Somebody say mindful. Mind. That's mindful. Mind. Mindful. No commandment, but we keep looking for what pleases him. That's worship. That's why Jesus said, they said, should we go to this mountain or go to Jerusalem? He said, this guy, you are old school. Old. That's what Jesus said. That's those days. He said, what the Father has always sought, which is now manifested now, is that those who worship him will worship in spirit 
And in truth, what does it mean by in spirit? It doesn't mean they enter into the realm of the spirit. No. It means every motive around them. Their motivation. Every, in fact, what Jesus was saying, he was taking the commandment that he gave to Moses earlier and explaining it to that woman. The way you are fetching water should be a form of worship. Rebecca offered, you heard my aunt tell us earlier about love. Loving God, loving people you can see. Rebecca, she was at the well, and a tired traveler came and said, can I get something to drink? He said, oh, no problem, relax. I gave water for you, your fellow travelers, and I fetched for all your camels. It was not easy for her. But why did she do it? She felt sorry for him, and she had respect for elders. Some young people are so poorly trained. Now the bucket, but when I tie, I confess your own. Her fetching water was a form of worship. She had to fetch that water in worship. What is worship? It's simple. It is all-round diligent pursuit. That's one word I was looking for. Diligent pursuit. All-round, he said, you shall teach them diligently. I don't want to get into that. Worship means everything that depends on you also follows. That's why the children matter came up. You shall teach them diligently. This is the commandment, the statutes I'm giving you today. He said, you, your children, your grandchildren, you must keep them. I'm looking for the word diligent again. Go quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In verse 1, he says, Now it shall be, if you what? If you shall diligently obey the Lord your God. I want that word, diligently. Diligently. I'm trying to explain what worship is. It is that diligent following. You know what they call diligent? The example I gave earlier. Eh, but God allowed David to marry many wives. And the person is not seeking for the true pleasure of God. That's not a diligent follower. Who's a diligent follower? I'm about to start a business. I actually set tool down. And I asked my friends, what are the commandments of God concerning how to do business? I'm about to get married. I actually ask, what are the commandments he gave concerning marriage? A man comes to me, I'm a woman, single woman, wants to marry me. I don't just say, hey, do I like him or don't like him? I say, no, what pleases the Lord in my choice making? Listen, no matter what your stomach is telling you, you know, butterflies, love, valentine, you know, no matter what it is saying, it is what the Lord says that will endure. So you don't make choices based on how you feel. You make choices based on how he feels. Can I use that expression? Yes, how he feels. If something feels good to you, and you look at his face, and he shakes his head, that's it. You don't want it. You don't like it? Oh, I actually think I like it. But he doesn't like it. Is this one that's going to marry the woman? Yes. Leave it like that. It is what he feels. What I feel is secondary. That is worship. Worship is not just to bow down. That is an expression of worship. I hope you're getting my point. Worship is not just to raise our hands in songs. That is an expression of worship. I hope you're getting my point. Worship is not just to kneel. That is an expression of worship. And those expressions are important. 
I hope you're getting my point. Oh, they are important. <laughs> I, I taught my children something today. I said, if you want blessing, there's a way you collect it. Too. I said, I won't be pursuing you. I said, you are big now. So I'm not pursuing anybody again to collect blessing, to come and collect blessing. I said, you come and ask for it. They said, how? I said, you come and greet properly and stay there until you are blessed. So I told my daughter, yeah, come, and, come and ask for blessing. So she came, knelt down, and said, good morning, daddy, and stayed on her knees. I said, you got the point. She said, now you will not rise until I bless you. And no matter how tired and sleepy I am, I have seen you have come for blessing. I will get up, put a hand on you. I said, everybody, you want blessing? You come and ask for it. I said, you are all big now. Come on, the day's one, I said, come, let me bless you. I said, I don't want to show anybody for blessing again. By now, you're supposed to get sin, say, I need them. <laughs> I said, how? So as often as you want it, you will get If you do that every day, I will bless you every day. Talking about expressions of worship. Worship has expressions. But those expressions are not the worship. What is real worship? Is diligent, soulful, heartful, and mightful pursuit of God. In which everything I do is being done for his pleasure. Because of time, let me stop here. Let's bow down our heads and say to him again, Lord, I worship you. Let's rise to our feet and worship him. Let's just worship again this evening. Away with every foreign god. We'll talk more about it. His name must not be given to another God. Let's worship. Let's start with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, I thank you. That's a form of worship. Gratitude. That is a form of worship. Repentance is worship because if he's one you are trying to please, you will know what you have done that's not pleasing to him. Say, Lord, I worship you in repentance. In changing my ways, he said to Israel, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are much higher than yours, as the heavens are higher than the earth. Oh, was he saying to them, come up here. So say to the Lord, I'm coming up, I'm coming up. I repent of my ways. That is worship. No more foreign God. We'll talk about it later. Different systems, they want to bring God into their, their system, will become corrupt like them. But we say no. Say, Lord, I commit to worshiping you. That's a, that's a step, that's a starting point. A commitment to worship that only you will be my God.